eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back into the Alliance 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue recording here in Happy Valley. It is the second full week of August. It is the second full week of Penn State preseason training camp. We have a lot to get to. Penn State hosted us back in Beaver Stadium on Saturday afternoon for their media day. We appreciated the opportunity to speak to a bunch of players, coaches, coordinators, James Franklin, of course, at the microphone to start off that action. A few hours later, back on the practice field for practice number five of preseason camp. Got about a 15, 20-minute window to take a look at some of the veterans on this team, more notably some of the newcomers on this team out there trying to gain some footing on a college football practice field. And to break everything down, I bring in my colleagues now, Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallon, who were in Beaver Stadium with me on Saturday. And we've got just a few weeks ahead of us before we see this team take on an opponent in the Big Ten with a trip to Purdue September 1st. But, fellas, this for us uh, was our most expansive look at this 2022 Penn State football squad. And, Mark, we'll start with you because going into Saturday – Saturday morning, I know our VIP subscribers loved it. You dropped some thoughts on early preseason returns from the Penn State practice field and some guys who are generating noise and also maybe what we should be watching for as Penn State puts its game plan together. I'll let you take it from here before we get into Saturday stuff because obviously some enlightening news and there is an opportunity for our listeners out there to make sure that they don't miss any of this kind of stuff in the months ahead. Yeah, first of all, I'm sorry for missing the memo about wearing my blue 24/7 shirt. I just have the the the, the hoodie, the hoodie on, but I apologize. But I do have a uh, a blue Gatorade if that if that counts for anything, which is we were very familiar with from all the prospect camps uh, over the uh, over the summer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just so so folks know, uh, obviously a key time of the year for Penn State football, and we have a 50 percent off. 
VIP special going on now. If you want a new annual subscription, you get in on fifty. You can get in at fifty percent off. Or if you're a monthly subscriber, and, and monthly subscribers, you have to know this: you can get fifty percent off upgrading to annual. You're going to save yourself a bunch of money. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to push it throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole podcast, but uh, definitely something you want to consider for your monthly subscriber. Or again, if you're just coming back around getting into Penn State football. 50% off an annual pass, very good deal. Uh, let me just note this. It offer expires Monday at midnight, unless yeah. unless something changes. So we're recording this on, on Monday morning. I wanted to make note of this early in the podcast because I know there's a lot of loyal listeners out there who maybe haven't taken that plunge. And I'm really proud of the stuff we put out there through early stages of preseason camp, certainly through the recruiting trail this summer. So check it out. Give us a shot. If you've been taking a look at a month, give the full commitment, save some cash, and you're good through the next signing period. And, and a lot going on here at Penn State because the transfer portal is going to pop up. But that's the spiel. But, Mark, what did you have for those guys who are already on board with our VIP access? Because Saturday morning before we got to Beaver Stadium, there was already some good information out there from you. Yeah, let me add one other thing. Tyler Calvaruso, you know, we hired him as our full-time recruiting reporter. He's done an unbelievable job. And again, for people who weren't around through the summer, and I get it, sometimes people want to take a step back before diving into thing in August, things in August. Uh, Tyler came on, you know, a month and a half ago and has just done a bang-up job on recruiting. Uh, but yeah, with respect to VIP, uh, with VIP info out of camp, uh, you know, we had an update on on a true freshman who is really turning heads. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to – I think most people realize that Nick Singleton is the guy. But we give some details on why uh, everybody thinks he's going to be a guy. Tyler, I know uh, 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 even, uh, you know, a month or two ago, you were saying that you think he's going to emerge as the starting tailback at some point. And we give some details on why uh, why people think that's going to happen. And, you know, a, another guy that people are really talking up is Akeem Beeman. And, you know, we'll have a, a story coming up relatively soon here on him. And, you know, guy missed last year, defensive lineman, was playing really well, uh, missed last year for – we never got the details, but it sure seemed like a disciplinary type thing. But he's really working hard to earn back the trust of his teammates. And people are just absolutely raving about him. And when you take a look, you know, we talked about this at Media Day, Tyler. When you take a look at where their D-line was for the bowl game and who was starting and where that thing's going, and we could dive into that in the podcast, uh, it's just – I mean, I, I really think a lot of people are sleeping on this defensive line. So, you know, Singleton, uh, Beeman, or those are two of the couple couple of people that we touch on in the VIP notes. And uh, if you want to take a look, go on our front page. It's still up there relatively high. Our, our new reworked front page with video and stuff. Uh, give it a look. Check it out and, and read through them. And some really good discussion, too. I, I really appreciate all the people who gave us great feedback and one of the great things about the site is, you know, not only are we going to provide you with some information, but you're going to go on the site and you're going to read the feedback in the comments section on our on our Lions Pride board. And we have the most plugged in fans. I am just telling you, we have the most plugged in people because as soon as you think you know some stuff as a reporter, as a quote unquote insider or however you want to, to, to say it. Uh, you go on there and you realize that people there there are people who are really plugged in on our board as well and give a lot of great info. So uh, just a real quick heads up, some VIP stuff there. And again, just Tyler Calvaruso, uh, I, I I can't be 
more thrilled with the job he's done recruiting wise. And as people know, a lot of our, our most of our recruiting coverage is at the VIP level and he's done a great job and I think it's worth every penny if you, if you dive in and you could also, if you're not sure if you want to do it, Hey, there's a little test drive. You pay a buck for a month and see if you like what, what, what we do. And if it doesn't work, Hey, don't, you know, don't renew. Uh, but otherwise, 50% off uh, monthly upgrades, 50% off annual. All right, there it is. You guys know about the deal. Uh, Mark had a bunch of stuff up on Saturday morning. I will say your your notes on the defensive line and really what we came out of Saturday with uh, were a, a big fuel for optimism on the message board among some Penn State fans, hearing about some of the new faces, how guys are trending on the defensive front. He gave a nice nugget on the tight ends, and kind of that's where it's been. People aren't necessarily willing to listen as much on the tight ends looking good, Sean Clifford training in the right direction. The benefit of the doubt, it's interesting. Uh, we can provide information, but the way it's received, it really shows a lot about the benefit of the doubt and how that is really a different position by position among the fan base for Penn State. Daniel, uh, we've been talking for several minutes now. We haven't heard from you, so let's change that up. And, you know, we got a chance to, to obviously hear from James Franklin to start this thing off. And let's start with that conversation uh, because the head coach, you know, he's always going to play it pretty close to the vest through four or five practices. He's not going to go too far down the path, especially when it comes to younger players. What stood out to you from those 30-plus minutes of James Franklin and, and some of the, the more notable takeaways from what we heard? I think the big thing that he's really reiterating and really emphasizing from Big Ten media days until now is the depth conversation. That was something that a lot of questions kind of kept coming back to, that he feels a lot more comfortable with the depth that the experience that a couple guys got last year uh, was really vital in them moving forward. Um, and I think that he said, I mean, he brought up, I think specifically quarterback and defensive tackle that when Sean Clifford and PJ Mustafer went out against Iowa, then the depth behind them, it was pretty green. Um, and I think that if those sorts of situations come up this year, I think he feels like they're, they're better prepared for it. And I think as you kind of, as you go through the depth chart, you can kind of see that too. Um, you mentioned the the defensive line conversation. Uh, look at the defensive ends in the Outback Bowl. Look at the defensive ends now, and you suddenly feel just much, much better uh, about the ability to, to weather some mishaps, weather some maybe performance issues, injuries. I think that that was the thing that, that really stood out from, from James Franklin because you know that he has uh, a couple things that he goes into these and that he really wants to talk about, and I think the depth has really stood out to me uh, when you talk Big Ten media days, Penn State media day, and then looking at the team on the practice field, looking at the roster and, and some of these different positions. I think something that popped out to me from, from Franklin, and it kind of reiterates what he discussed coming out of the blue-white game in spring practices, was how he feels about the wide receiver unit, you know, going six deep, maybe beyond that, but a, a true two deep in a way that perhaps they haven't had for, for several years. He mentioned the last couple of years that I think when you look at before Taylor Stubblefield got to campus and cultivated some increased depth, they were even more on thin ice at wide receiver. But he made a point where, look, you lose Jahan Dotson, and and I think Mike Yersich discussed this and it was discussed a lot on the, on the field on Saturday. You lose Jahan Dotson, and maybe you don't find that one-for-one -one replacement, but in terms of across-the-board wide receiver production, wide receiver threat, it sounds like Penn State is optimistic that they're going to roll out a more impressive group than they did in 2021. And I think, Mark, when you discuss what Jahan Dotson accomplished the last couple of years in the Nittany Lions uniform, that says a lot about what Taylor Stubblefield has cultivated in his position room. 
Yeah, I mean, but but I mean, think about it. Uh, when when they lost KJ Hamler, Hamler, everybody was like, well, what you know, what's going to happen? <laughs> and I mean, it gives opportunities for for people to step to step up. Uh, Jahan, for my money, he ultimately ended up becoming the second best Penn State receiver that I've seen behind Bobby Ingram. You know, people could have their arguments about that, about Kenny Jackson, OJ McDuffie. I'm sure I'm, I'm leaving people out. That's what, what, what happens when you get into, into these discussions. But they're in a position now uh, where, I, I, again, as Daniel mentioned, it's more depth. Uh, Tinsley ha- is coming in. They're extremely high on him. And not that I think he's going to be a, uh, as you said, apples to apples replacement for Jahan Dotson. But this is a guy who's played at a very high level at Western Kentucky, the, the, which led the, the, the NCAA in passing yardage last year, uh, played against Michigan State, played against Indiana. Uh, has been on the big stage, has caught a ton of balls, knows how to get into the end zone. We saw that in the blue-white game, right? Where, And I know it's only the blue-white game, but he takes kind of that, that short pass and weaves his way and gets into the end zone. Malik Mega, we saw what he was able to do in limited action last year after coming back from injury. So, yeah, they're I think they're fine receiver-wise. I think tight end-wise, and I mentioned this in the notes, they have three three NFL quality tight ends, yeah, three caliber NFL caliber tight ends. So from from that perspective, I think they're fine. The thing that that, that stood out to me about what James Franklin said was, "Hey, listen, I sit here every and I'm I'm paraphrasing. This isn't exactly what he said, but you know, I sit here every year and talk about how the offensive line is going to be better, and I'm just going to stop doing it. And because I think he realizes what all the fans realize, what what those of us in the media realize, because I've I've done the same thing. They appear as if they're going to be better, and then it just doesn't work. And that's to me is what was one of the key things that he said is that listen, now it's really the time for them to step up and get it done. You know, he he attempted to say, if you win a Big Ten title, you know, which they did in 2016, I don't know how you could be critical of all the areas of the team. Well, yeah, I mean, you had Saquon Barkley, <laughs> so he has a way of making offense uh, not, a not great offense. He had a way of making a not great offensive line look better, and so did Trace McSorley. I mean, they were just loaded at the skill positions then, and I think this is the year that that offensive line really has to step up. I, you know, I've seen people take some shots at Phil Troutwine. You know, sooner or later, it's got to come down to the head coach and the system and everything else. You know, how many offensive line coaches can you go through before you have to say that, okay, well, maybe it's not this particular coach. And what what it all goes back to me is I wonder if as great as the strength program has been at Penn State, I wonder if this change in the strength program might not be the thing that puts the offensive line over the top because they've had outstanding players at every single position under James Franklin except for on the offensive line. They've had some very good players on the offensive line. I shouldn't say they haven't had any good players, but that's the one area where, you know, I wonder if uh, making this switch in the strength program. So I know I've been all over the place there, but I think that's kind of what the preseason is about is jumping from position to position to position. And Franklin did say, look, they're not they're not doing the same thing over and over again. He mentioned there have been changes philosophically from a staff edition perspective. We've seen Frank Leonard. He is certainly not the same guy as Phil Troutline on the football field. We haven't gotten to see it as much 
on the practice field. And, Explain and what that, like. Tyler. Explain. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast uh, with, with the, the prospect camps back in June, but Frank Leonard came on board, guy who has a, a very long track record that extends to the NFL with Bill Belichick and into college football, was brought in as an anal- in an analyst role here. Um, and, and he's a guy who is going to be a screamer. And he's a guy who's going to get his point across by getting loud. Um, I think anybody who's played football has probably come across a coach like that at some level of the game. And some people love a coach like that. I know Alex Birchmeyer was on the podcast and said he absolutely responded in a very positive way to Frank Leonard. I had teammates, and I think we've all seen players who it, they fold up and they curl into the fetal position when, when a coach approaches them like that. And and I, I think people from an older generation will probably say, well, that's more prevalent now because guys aren't more as receptive and coaching has changed. Frank Leonard's a throwback. So if you appreciate that kind of coaching, he's going to add it. And I think if a lot of our, our readers out there and our board members were going on the field with us for practice, they may be surprised at how quiet it is over by the offensive lineman. A lot of the times, you know, Frank Leonard aside, um, you've got Phil Troutwine who gets his point across with calm, uh, kind of concise uh, teaching. And, and, and we've heard from Lennon Tengwall, he doesn't love the screaming. Uh, he didn't mention Frank Leonard, but he said that's not really his, his, his style. He likes the way that Troutwine delivers it um, and a calm demeanor. I'm sure there are people, though, that they watch some of the results from last year and they, they look at Penn State getting bullied at time in the trenches by programs that had not have recruited at the level that Penn State has. And they say, well, there is a correlation between attitude and what's happening down there. Does that have anything to do with how the message is being received and, and how the message is being given? And so I, I don't know. It, it, it's Franklin also extending the conversation to the strength and conditioning program. And um, so, look, it, clearly, I, I think it, it is a big, you know, it's it's a big kind of asterisk in, in James Franklin's program development right now. You can point to a lot of positions that have gone really healthy and maybe right now are in a healthier spot than they've ever been under James Franklin in year nine. This offensive line group, while it's much bigger than the group we saw in the spring, we got to see them go out there and kick some ass. And until that happens, James Franklin's probably taking the right approach and, and not telling us that they're going to go out there and kick some ass. I spent some time with Phil Troutline on Saturday, and I think the depth thing really came up again with him in talking about adding a guy like Hunter Norzad to the competition with Salim Wormley. Um, and Landon Tangwall, and then having Bryce Effner back, who's someone who I think is a little bit of an underrated piece um, that we didn't see in the spring and was kind of that sixth offensive lineman last year. They really only went six deep. Um, And I think in talking to Phil Troutline, there's a lot more comfort with kind of the versatility of guys who can play guard and tackle so they can shuffle things on the fly and having more options. Uh, I think he mentioned J.B. Nelson, the Lackawanna uh, transfer, as someone who can play both guard and tackle uh, on the left side, that they can move around um, if they need to. I mean, we saw Landon Tangwall play inside and outside last year. So I think that the offensive line, it's definitely going to look different. It always is when you lose uh, what they lost last year in Rasheed Walker, Eric Wilson, uh, and Mike Miranda moving on. But I think that they got younger, and I think they got a little bigger. Uh, standing on the field next to Olu Fashanu, uh, looking at Hunter Norzad. It's a really physically impressive group. and But like James Franklin said, we, we need to see it uh, until we know for sure. Yeah, I think, the key, I think the key guy, Tyler and, yeah. and Daniel, is, is Juice. I mean, uh, he played – I thought Juice Scruggs played well last year. They have him at that center position, and he's you know 310, 315 pounds, and we know what he went through when he after the car accident he dropped down to 260 or whatever it is. But you just look at him, and you know everybody 
you know, that's something I probably should have thrown in those VIP notes as well, is that everybody is talking about Juice as being not only an extremely good player, but not, not a quiet leader, but he has just emerged as the leader in that offensive line room. And, you know, that's not a knock on Caden Wallace, who's played a lot of football, uh, but, it, it, you know, Juice just – there's a little something to him when you talk to him. You know, he's not the most outgoing guy, but you you, you could just tell there's a little – a quiet intensity to Juice. And I, and I think having him at center and being the guy at center, uh, you know, you knock on wood that he stays healthy. But I, I think he's kind of the key part to this whole thing if this line is going to take that next step because I think a lot of people could look at him, see what he's overcome – see what it takes to compete at this level when you've when you've gone through what he's gone through and have a certain respect for, for that. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Physically, he showed up to the spring practice field in a different form than we had seen in the past. That is That trajectory has maintained into fall camp. And, and I will note that him at center and, and Caden Wallace and, and Olu Fashanu, uh, you know, penned in as the bookends at tackle, none of them are innate vocal leaders, get-in-your-face kind of guys. Uh, each of them come from talented backgrounds, and, and a couple of them have played a lot of football in the Big Ten, and I know people are very high on Olu Fashanu. That is something that, that we're going to have to see how, how it develops over the course of the year. I, I don't know if they lost any guys like that necessarily from last year's team. But, you know, when things get tough during the game, I know Landon Tangwall's a guy. Uh, he, he might grab you by, the, you know, grab you by the helmet and talk to you a little bit. And, and we're going to learn a little bit more about Hunter Norzad and Salim Wormley when he gets in the trenches and, and gets in game action more. Uh, but that's something that, that you want to see some of that attitude. You want you want to see who's going to step up when the adversity strikes and uh, not just on the coaching staff, but among these players and a lot of pressure on the offensive line. I will note they, they lost three guys, but. Rashid Walker, a seventh-round pick. The other two guys, as far as I understand, are not in NFL camps. So, um, you know, you look at kind of what you're replacing them with and, and where the ceiling could be, and, and I think there's a lot to like. But, again, just like James Franklin, and we've been covering the team long enough, even Daniel for a couple of years now, if people don't want to hear us build up this offensive line if we're not sure about it anymore, and we can't be sure about it. Um, I, I will note, guys, that uh, Salim Wormley seems to be in a really good place. Was curious to hear about his progress. I asked James Franklin about it on Saturday, and um, he said it came up in a conversation just last weekend where Sean Clifford was mentioning just how uh, sturdy and how how consistent uh, Salim Wormley has been handling his role at the guard spot. We've talked about it a lot over the course of the year, 
But this time last year, Salim Wormley was working his way toward being Penn State's starter uh, on on the offensive line at guard instead of Eric Wilson, who we saw end up emerging there. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth right now, a few weeks ahead of camp. But Hunter Norzad's coming in and James Franklin, in my opinion, seemed to push the brake pedal just a little bit in the Norzad conversation because he said, look, he's blocking P.J. Mustafer and Akeem Beeman now. He's not on the Cornell practice field. This is a different adjustment period. So we got to give Hunter Norzad a few weeks to get his footing. But they don't have much more than that in terms of finding a starter on uh, to go to uh, West Lafayette and play against Purdue. A couple weeks later, they're going to Auburn. So Franklin made it a point to say it may be game one, it may be game four. Norzad's going to be a factor. But I think coming out of Saturday, I feel a little bit better about where Salim Wormley is in that positional battle. And for a long time, barring an injury or some kind of setback, really feel good about Landon Tangwell stepping up on the left side. Yeah, I mean, they should be better. But it, again, it goes back to what, you know, we've, we, I think all three of us have mentioned. It goes back to what James Franklin said. It's like, you know, put up or shut up at this point. And I, I'm not trying to be critical of them, but, you know, now's the time. And yeah. let's see if they can actually get it done. The talent seems to be there. Let's see if they could actually pull it off this time. You know, another thing that I, I, I would mention is that, um, and, and this is something I mentioned in the, in the VIP notes, is that, Going back to what, what I said about Saquon Barkley, Nick Singleton is not the next Saquon Barkley, but what he does have is breakaway speed, and that's one thing they really missed last year. And that could cover up a lot of flaws for an offensive line. So it wasn't just the fact that they didn't have guys going you know, 75 yards like, like Saquon seemed to do every other game, but they didn't have guys going 20, 25 yards very often. I think the longest, uh, you know, I think the second longest run last year was actually by Clifford. Yep. And, you know, that, that, that so, so, so to me, you know, you look back at the, the, the most notable 20, 25 yard run in the last two years. And what was it? It was Devin Ford against Indiana when he scored, when he shouldn't have, when he should have taken a knee. But they have not had those kind of plays. And once the, the other thing I would mention is that once Sean Clifford was banged up last year, they really stopped running the quarterback. And that made things very difficult for that offensive line. Now, I am not going to sit here and say Sean Clifford needs to be the next Michael Vick. He doesn't. He's never going to be that. And, and I understand why people kind of laugh at the, at, the, at the prospect Sean Clifford having to run the ball. But you know he's a he's a four six guy. I mean he can he can run, and I think he has to be able to run to keep opposing defenses honest. And that's not saying he has to run twenty five times a game. That's saying he has to run seven eight times a game uh, when 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 everything when everybody's covered and 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 he's he has an escape route. And then he's got to get down if he wants to stay healthy. That's one thing he's really got to learn is that if he is, if he wants to get back to being mobile, he's got to get down and be healthy. But if he does get banged up, they think they're in a much better spot. And this isn't any, this isn't necessarily a VIP note. This is something <laughs> that Franklin has said, and uh, and and Yursich uh, has said that they feel much better about where they are quarterback wise this year than they did last year at this time. And last year at this time. They actually thought Taquan Roberson was okay, and obviously we go out to, to to Iowa and find out. Well, he was overmatched, and you know, God bless him. It was a difficult situation, and hopefully he landed where he needs to be now. But you know, once Clifford was banged up last year, you you take a look at what happened to that offense, and so yeah, we can talk about the offensive line, 
but there are other factors in play. It's not just the offensive line. It's the, the offense as a whole that I think has to, to, to come around for that offensive line being better. Yeah, and I think that's an underrated dynamic of the depth at quarterback is the ability to maybe tailor that offensive game plan a little bit differently because you realize that if something does happen to Sean Clifford, it's not such a, a precipitous gap and drop toward the next guy. At least that's how we view Christian Veyu at this point. Of course, a couple of really talented freshmen in the mix. Big part of that conversation is the running back group, and we know Nick Singleton has come on strong, and, and you added that in your VIP notes and, and some, some new context there. But, Daniel, you were posted up with J1 Sider for a bit, and I know he has tremendously high expectations, and I know he spent this entire offseason still kind of scratching his head and wondering what exactly went wrong last year. But it's a group of guys that decided to stick around. you got some veterans who obviously could have gone elsewhere. you got a couple really hungry, true freshmen. What are the vibes you're getting out of that running back group uh, coming out of the field Saturday? I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of confidence. I talked to both Devin Ford and, and Keziah Holmes. Uh, I asked them kind of point blank, you know, why why did you guys stick around with uh, with what is coming in, how that room has kind of shaken out? And both of them said that it never crossed their mind leaving. Um, Devin Ford talked about, you know, being a, a presence in the room, kind of helping some of the young guys. Uh, Keziah Holmes talked about the development under Jaylon Sider that this year he wants to show people that, He's a complete back uh, that he can be an every down back and a good all around player. He also talked about being less of an athlete uh, and more of a running back now. Um, you know, Jaylon Sider acknowledged that in 2020, maybe he had to play before he was ready, but now they're kind of getting him him refined and ready. So I think there's a lot of kind of good energy in that running back room. Uh, both Keziah Holmes and Devin Ford kind of lit up when I asked them about the freshman. Um, Keziah Holmes said that both of them said that they're dogs. Uh, that was a very common term of endearment uh, from the offensive linemen and the running backs when, when talking about their teammates. But they both said that they're excited about uh, Singleton and Ford or Singleton and Catron Allen. Uh, Devin Ford said that they have a nasty mentality um, that they, they don't give a care. Uh, that was Devin Ford's way to look at it. And he said that you see it in their pass blocking. You see it when they run. There's just a lot of aggressiveness. Um, and I have the quote here now. It says, you guys come in and they want to take your head off. Um, so I think that that kind of shows the kind of mindset that these freshmen came in with. And I think that it maybe it's contagious. Maybe that affects Kevon Lee. Maybe that affects Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, and how they approach things. And it'll be a really interesting dynamic because – for the second straight year, we're talking about five different running backs in that room. Jaylon Sider said you can't really play more than three. So it'll be really interesting to see how this kind of shakes out, what kind of roles these guys ultimately end up in. Five different running backs who are each all considered top 24-7 prospects coming out of high school. So guys who had major expectations for their college careers and beyond. Um, and I think that's really one of the more surprising things is that they were able to keep this unit intact through this offseason. We'll see maybe how a guy like Devin Ford or Kazai Home gets rewarded on the back end from their loyalty and commitment. Uh, but it's hard to ignore these hard-charging newcomers. Um, guys, I, I know that the pads are, are really, you know, we're still waiting for that portion of, of training camp to come. Uh, but when it does happen, this running, this ground game is going to face a significant test because I think coming off the field Saturday, the one thing talking with colleagues and just kind of going through my own notes, it's hard to look away from how much this defensive line has grown with 
really superior talent. I, I mean, they're not just adding pieces and bodies. They're adding guys who are frontline potential starters and, and guys who can impact matchups with the Ohio States and Michigans in the world in the years to come. Chop Robinson was available. I wasn't really expecting to, to see him out there for media day. We appreciated that. Um, keeping his expectations pretty grounded, talking to him, talking to everybody else. He has flashed early on the football field. James Franklin used that term flash. I think you love that if you're a Penn State fan. You love that he's coming here, making some kind of an impact. Quickness. Um, look, it, it's a transition period for, for Chop Robinson. He talked to me about the fact that he's putting his hand in the dirt every down and not being something new for him. But he's got the familiarity with the program as a recruit. We talked a little bit about him coming up to campus for some prospect camps in high school. So it's not like he walked on and he felt like a complete outlier or a complete outsider. So I think He's in a good spot to, to, to contribute, but to me, nobody is going to, to maybe come in and, and, and make their presence known like Akeem Beeman when you talk, talk about uh, these defensive linemen. These Isaac, of course, is back. P.J. Mustafer is back. But Akeem Beeman, he's been out of sight, out of mind for so long. Got to go all the way back to that 2020 season when he you know, abbreviated season. Right now, a guy that we don't have a lot of clarity on why he was gone. I asked him, you know, straight up a couple times in, in, in different ways and wasn't willing to go that road, but he feels like he has a lot to prove to his teammates. He has a lot to prove to himself. Um, and he's listed at 261 on the roster, guys. I wasn't buying that standing face to face with him. He told I asked him if he was more in the 270, 275 pound range. He gave me the, the affirmative on that one. Didn't get a clear answer, but I know people said, can he play defensive tackle when he's flirting with the 250s? He's not flirting with the 250s, and he can play defensive tackle, and I think he's going to play a lot of that position for this team. And Daniel, you heard rave reviews from the offensive line on Beeman. I asked Hunter Norzad and Salim Wormley, I worded as, which defensive, which defensive lineman is giving you the most trouble this year in camp? And Hakeem Beeman and P.J. Mustafer were, were the first two uh, out of their – the first two they mentioned, um, I, I forget whether it was Norzad or Wormley, but I asked them about Beeman and kind of that that size because obviously PJ Mustafer, huge body uh, for anyone in a one on one situation. That's a that's a tough matchup. Um, but with Beeman, I think that they said that his ability to get off and stay low uh, gives him a lot of power uh, and makes him kind of that tough one on one matchup. Um, Manny Diaz described Beeman as a slippery and really tough four guards in that one-on-one -on -one matchup. But it's one thing to hear it from the coaches. It's another thing to hear it from these, fir these first teamers, these guy com guys competing for starting spots on the other side uh, that they see every day in practice. So I think that the, I think the Hakeem Beeman hype train is really, I think it's kicking into gear now after talking to those guards and, and seeing what they had to say Saturday. Mark yeah, you know, they, uh, I'm uh, sorry, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. You referenced that we'll have a story up on Beeman. I, I, you know, hopefully people can get around to checking out that story, but I'll just say it on the podcast. You and I both spoke with him, and when he was looking back at last year and looking toward the, in, the impact of getting back in game action this September, he got pretty emotional. Uh, oh, like, yeah. Like, like on his face, very emotional. It means a lot to this young man. Yeah, we have a video on our site, and, and at one point, I mean, he, he was on the verge of, start, of starting to cry. And, you, I mean, you feel bad when you're talking to somebody and they're going through an emotional thing like that but um yeah i mean he he lost his stripe i mean so so for people who don't know uh during the season uh when you're a freshman or sophomore and haven't really played uh you have to earn that stripe on your helmet in practice and it's a it's a ceremony i mean so so if, if you have a true freshman who comes in and doesn't play the first few games and ultimately you know makes an impact midway through the season you know, they'll call him out at the end of practice, surprise him a little bit, 
in his the, the guys in his position will put the stripe on his helmet. And uh, Hakeem Beeman lost that. I mean, <laughs> you know, there obviously in real life there are things that you can lose. You know that we've lost, whether it's family members or, or whatever, and people losing jobs or whatever. But for a football player, for that to happen is is a big thing. Now the key for him is that the players, if you if we talked to players about him last year, we talked to James Franklin about him last year, we talked to John Scott about him last year, nobody ever gave up on him. So whatever the issue was, they always had his back. Now they you know there was always you know there needs to be maturity, there needs to be this. Uh, but I think it's impressive that he didn't give up on himself. And that's the one thing in talking to him. He said he never considered giving up football, never considered leaving Penn State. And that's the kind of person that you could root for, that they run into whatever the trouble is in life and they're able to pick themselves up and and, and come back. And, you know, he's going to – I am uh, hoping that he's going to be one of the feel-good stories for Penn State this year. We try to be as objective as we can, but I love seeing people – I hate seeing people go through difficult times – but I love seeing people overcome it. And it looks like that's where he is at at this point. So everybody, you keep your fingers crossed and you hope that he comes through this because just talking to him, he, he seems like a good kid. I mean, he really does. And sometimes that, that's hard to tell when you're a reporter. Uh, but you and I, we talked to him at different times and we talked after media day and we both kind of had the exact same vibe, right, Tyler? That, that yeah. wow. I mean, he was emotional and seemed to be as honest as he could be. There were things he didn't want to talk about, which was understandable, but uh, a guy to really keep your eye on this season. Yeah, my read was that no one has been harder on Akeem Beeman than Akeem Beeman, and that's kind of where you want it to be in that situation. Um, guys, we've, we've got like less than 10 minutes to get through some stuff. I want to make sure we, we touch on some positional battles. Uh, Mike Linebacker, obviously, is a position up for grabs uh, after Ellis Brooks held that down the last couple of years. It's redshirt freshman Kobe King. It's redshirt sophomore Tyler Elsden in the thick of it over at safety next to Jair Brown. You've got a few guys in the mix there, a couple converted cornerbacks and Zaki Wheatley and, and Keaton Ellis, and then Jalen Reed, a second-year member of that safety unit. What stands out about those two spots to you guys? And, and I'll throw it to you first, Daniel. I think that it's just kind of the, the options that Penn State has, that there are a lot of names in these uh, in these competitions, especially at safety and at safety where you have a couple different types of players there, uh, depending on what Penn State wants to do next to Jair Brown. Um, you know, I think that we might see a little bit more, I guess, flexibility in, in personnel from, from Manny Diaz this year. And I think that, you know, between like Zaki Wheatley is that kind of stereotypical ball hawk guy, very long, rangy. Jalen Reed is kind of the more compact, could see him playing in the box more. I think that safety battle, Penn State has options and flexibility as they move forward. And then middle linebacker, I think that it's kind of nice where it just seems like a very old fashioned position battle where it's just one versus one. There's not that kind of, there's not a third guy. There's not these two guys with, with very different skill sets, depending on what the defense wants to do. I think it's very one-on-one. And I think that, you know, they, they keep saying it's going to go deep into camp. So I feel like that there's a good chance that we won't know who that Mike linebacker is until you know 8 PM at, at Purdue on September 1st. Yeah, you know what I like about that Mike linebacker battle is that you have Kobe King from Detroit and you have Tyler Elsden from North Schuylkill, you know, 
uh, Frackville, PA, which is the coal region, which is, you know, I'm Hazleton, baby, the coal region. Uh, and these two guys are really helping each other. And, and you know why that's important? Because it, it, I know it's kind of cliche, but they talk about that Mike linebacker being the quarterback of the defense. And to be able to go through this with somebody else where you can compare notes and, and they're supporting each other. I mean, it's pretty, it, it, it's pretty cool to see the way that t- these two guys from r- ridiculously different backgrounds, you know, come here to central PA and are fighting for one of the marquee spots on the Penn state football team. And Daniel, to your point, Manny Diaz said, you know, when are we going to make decision? I, I'm not sure, but do- it doesn't matter because you don't, they don't have to make it really quickly. And if you have the luxury of having those two guys. Now, the one thing I would say about linebacker is, yeah, so it's good that you have two guys fighting for that position. But overall, that depth, when you look at this team, one of the real issues on one of the real potential issues, if everybody stays healthy, they should be fine. And again, knock on wood, if everybody stays healthy. But is that realistic? And that's where I thought the fact that, you know, they're playing Wiley apparently at middle linebacker. We've heard a lot of good things about Abdul Carter, the true freshman, coming in. Uh, Tyler, you were talking to Jamari Budden, trying to figure out what his story is. He's playing somewhere. Yeah. We don't know where. We we assume it's at the at the will, right? He, he wasn't very open. And then, I mean, they have that Sam position with Sutherland. And right now, like I said yesterday, Don DeLuca sure seems like he's making the case to be uh, a, a defensive depth guy at that spot. But I think we got to know how frequently with this defense starting September 1st are we going to see three linebackers on the field consistently. We know how much they love Daquan Hardy. We know that the defensive backfield is a strength. Linebacker not necessarily right there. I thought it was great. Manny Diaz said, we are making sure our linebackers are well aware. They are being in this setting, in a media day setting, they're viewed as the question mark. None of them were recruited as the question mark. And when you are – in a middle linebacker competition at Penn State, LBU, and not, it's not supposed to be a question mark. It's supposed to be who's going to step up and be the next uh, the yeah. next marquee name for the Nittany Lions. And I think the one thing that both of these guys have in their corner, we got to see what it looks like when the live bullets start going. Are they going to look like they're on roller skates out there? Are they going to look like they're in command? The one thing that they already seem to have is the respect from their teammates. When, they, when guys look at them on the practice field, when guys are turning to them in the meeting room, seems like they are already accountable, authoritative figures. And that's such an important thing if you're going to be the middle linebacker for this program. I think one thing that we'll keep watching, we don't have to get into it right now, but Jordan Stout did so much for this program. What are they going to land at punter? Where are they going to land at kickoff? Uh, sounds like Barney and Moore, who transferred in from Colgate last year as a walk-on, is the leader at punter. you got Alex Paquetta, who came in as a scholarship freshman, competing at kickoff, competing at punter. And, of course, uh, you've got Sanders Sahadak, who was 247 Sports top-ranked kicker in the 2021 class season contention at place kicker, at kickoff specialist. And, uh, you know, Jake Pinniger certainly has a lot of pressure on himself to regain this job after after losing grips on it. And I don't think Sanders Sahadak's making it any easier. And They're putting the pressure on these guys. We had some notes on our, our VIP board from practice. Go check that out. But I want to finish this conversation off, guys, with, with a really good mailbag question. We got just a few minutes to address it. Uh, but the question was pretty simple. Coming out of uh, Penn State Media Day, which players are generating the buzz? I would probably go with Keen Beeman here, but we spent so much time talking about him. So I'll say Johnny Dixon. We've talked about a lot of different cornerbacks, Kaylin King, Joey Porter Jr., some of the younger players that have come board, Marquise Wilson. Uh, Johnny Dixon came in from South Carolina last year as a transfer, very familiar with Penn State after his prospect recruitment. And last year was actually banged up entering training camp, he told us. So he felt like he never really got on that footing, uh, got that foundation last fall. 
right now he does. And it sounds like the way that we're hearing described is he is pushing to try to be a starter. So I think that you look at Kalen King's job and, you know, maybe they're wanting to make sure Kalen King's not taking anything for granted right now. But I think you come down to the point where we're going to see four or five cornerbacks a lot on the field this season. That includes Daquan Hardy. I think that includes Marquise Wilson, which is good to hear after his time at wide receiver. But I'm going to go with Johnny Dixon because I wasn't necessarily expecting to hear the buzz on Saturday for Dixon. Your picks and then we got to get out. I got to act. I got to echo you and go with Dixon. Uh, Hakeem Beeman, obviously, I think is the understood one, but Johnny Dixon is someone we didn't see much last year, didn't really hear much about, um, but now he's got that second year in the program. He's healthy. I think a lot of us had kind of penciled in Kalen King uh, in that starting spot opposite Joey Porter Jr., but uh, Johnny Dixon is someone who I I wasn't expecting to hear his name uh, brought up by James Franklin, by Manny Diaz uh, that much uh, on Saturday. I don't care how great that cabinet is behind you, Daniel. You can't pick the same guy Tyler picked. Come on. Now we're I thought he was going Mitch Tinsley. I thought yeah. he was going Mitch Tinsley. Yeah, no, I'm going to go Chop. I'm going to go Chop Robinson. I mean, uh, you know, I think people realized he was a really good player, but he didn't arrive until the summer. And apparently once he got into camp, he's really flashed, talking about a ridiculous first step. Uh, and I think a guy who's really going to make an instant impact at Penn State. Is he going to be a starter? I don't know. I mean, I think there's some allegiance to Nick Tarburton there, but he's going to be a guy who uh, I think is going to come in and post some good numbers. So I'm going with somebody different, and I have no great cabinet behind me. We'll give Daniel a few days to figure out his next answer for maybe the next podcast episode. We, we should have another practice to check out uh, over the course of this upcoming week. Hope to do that. You'll find all the VIP notes at Lines 24-7. Again, 50% off uh, for an annual VIP membership or monthly upgrade. That is until Monday at midnight. So if you're listening on Monday, make that move. We appreciate you for joining us. We didn't get to a bunch of stuff today from Media Day. It's all at Lines247.com, and there'll continue to be more stories coverage, videos, photos, all that and more. We'll talk to you a little bit later this week. I'm Tyler Donahue. Big thanks to Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, our producer, Lance Glenn. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.